Over this past month, uh, there's been two teams that have been sent out from Grace Community Church um, to go and do work in Iraq. Uh, This morning early, a team of 10 of us uh, returned. We're not certain if it's morning, evening, or afternoon right now, but we're glad to be here worshiping with you. Um, These two teams went because they were compelled to go by God. One team connected with CRI, the first team. It's Crisis Response International. It's a mission point that we, as a church, supported uh, in this new year. If you were here a few months back, Sean Malone, a representative from Crisis Response International, came and joined in uh, with us, and uh, we linked arms with him. So that team went out the first of the month and went and did uh, some training and helped uh, in northern Iraq also. The team that just got back was a team of 10 that went to the apartment complex in the the city of Erbil and helped out those that Grace for Iraq that you supported and that you desired to see a church birth from the ashes. And so we were able to minister, and you'll see some of that here in a second, and we were able to care and support and love and pray and meet people that that have come to Christ since the first visit to see a church, this, this fledgling church that's growing and the gospel of Christ is being built and begun in a catalyst for a new church plan is happening right in the middle of the ashes of ISIS in Iraq. Let me just give you a, a quick perspective, if I can. And before that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to each one of you that gave. Thanks to each one of you that sacrificed. I even know stories of children that gave their bank accounts so that apartments could be built and a church could be established in Iraq. Thanks for you who sacrificed. We want you to know that there's a good report in Iraq. There's a great church being built and are built. There is the light of Christ is being sent to the mission fields of northern Kurdistan. But even more than that, consider, most of us know the story of Jonah, if you have any church background. We know that Jonah was from Nineveh. Jonah was called by God to go to his people in Nineveh and to proclaim the good news of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. We know the story that he didn't want to go. Nineveh is modern-day Mosul in Iraq. So picture, if you can, as Jonah did. God came to him, and he said, go to this city, your city, go and Tell them to repent so that many can run to me. Now, let me give you a little background quickly on Nineveh and modern-day Mosul. Nineveh was the place where the Assyrians went and filleted Christians alive, God's followers. They literally filleted them alive. They impaled them at the end of the cities. They put them on posts to say that your God isn't powerful, to say things like, don't run from your God, that we, want, we don't want you to worship God here, so we want you to leave. In many ways, the Assyrians were the modern-day ISIS group. They wanted to push out Christianity. They wanted to push out followers of God. And so out of that came this call from God to Jonah in Nineveh, which is modern-day Mosul. I want you to go back to Mosul. I want you to go back to Nineveh. I want you to take the news of forgiveness, the news of repentance. And Jonah said, you got to be kidding me, God. I'm not going back to these people who filleted my own people, my, my relatives, my aunts, my uncles, my neighbors. I'm not going to go back and give them a chance to repent because I know if I go back and give a chance to repent that many of them will. God, they don't deserve that. So what did Jonah do? He fled. 
He thought he would go as far away from Nineveh as possible. He thought that he could outmaneuver God's intended plans for modern-day Mosul, Nineveh. So he fled, and he got to a water area. You know when he got in that water area? He thought, I'll get on this boat, and I'll go farther to the other side of the world. I'm not going back because these people don't deserve repentance. And what did God do? He took this big fish, and he chomped him. And he went into the belly of this great fish. And we know the story. For three days and three nights, he was in the belly of this fish. And God spoke to him. And so God said, you know what, Jonah? Even though you don't want to go back, I'm taking you back to Mosul. I'm taking you back, and I'm going to barf you up on the beach. And you're going to do the work of the Lord. And so that's what happened. That's the story. When he got out, we know what happened next. What happened to Jonah? He went to the city, it says, and he walked for days around it. And he carried a sign and he spoke these words, repent because the Lord is coming. Repent. You need God. Repent, repent, repent. And the book of Jonah says that he spoke clearly. And it says that the city of Mosul responded so fervently and so quickly that they even covered the dogs with sackcloth. That even the dogs repented. That even the people of the country repented because they heard a news of freedom and forgiveness and love that they had never heard before. A reluctant prophet went back to Mosul because God sent him there. Did he want to go? No. Did he think these people needed to be saved? God did. Fast forward to today. In many ways, ISIS is modern-day Assyrians. ISIS has pushed Christians out. And as we conversed with numerous people, story after story, even on this trip, surfaced to the top. Hundreds of people that we are reaching, that are putting, that eventually will go into apartments, that eventually be the church of Erbil and the church. You know where they're from? They're from Mosul. And if you were to talk to these people, let me tell you what they're saying. Many of them initially are saying, I don't want to go back there. I'm not going back there because they opened up our houses. ISIS came in. Our neighbors that we once trusted, Muslims in many cases, they came in and they took all of our stuff. You want me to go back to Mosul and tell the good news of Jesus Christ to a country that's done this, to people that have done this to us? But I think God's got other plans. But here's what I know to be true. Right now in Erbil, in the heart of the ashes of ISIS is a group of people that's being equipped. Many are running. Kurds are running to Jesus Christ. We saw them. We talked to them. We ate with them. We worshiped with them. And you know what's going to happen? Here's what I believe is going to happen. These same people who don't want to go back to Mosul, you know where they're going to end up? Mosul. And they're going to back and take the love and the message and the story of repentance, and we could see one of the greatest revivals in mankind, similar to the book of Jonah. Now, hold on a second. And we know what happens in the Middle East. Imagine this. If that revival caused the rapture of Jesus Christ to take place in the Middle East. Can you get one amen out of that? So, as we stood in the ashes of ISIS in Erbil, As we heard the stories, God spoke to us. This is the remnant of the church planning movement that will take place. And thousands upon thousands in Kurdistan are going to come to Christ. And you know why? Because you gave. Because you sacrificed. And there was a group of men that went. And there were some wives and families behind that stood and supported. On that trip, we took some pictures on this most recent trip. It's a snapshot of what we experienced. 
These pictures will never be able to capture what we felt. And when we see them, we remember the smells. We remember the stories. And we know this, that when you take hope to a country that is hopeless, and you tell them that there's a God that loves them, something spectacular happens in people's hearts. Take a look at these pictures.
needless to say, we, we have many stories, and we'll share a few today of something that impacted our hearts, something that we saw um, from our trips. And uh, Ted, Rondo, can you share a story here, what, how God impacted you and what, what took place for you? Sure. <clears throat> well, you know, Jim, uh, the whole, as a mission mobilizer, the whole perspective of uh, going back to Mosul, man, Nineveh or bust. We're going to put boots on the ground in Nineveh. And to watch the church be mobilized to that region of the world, the Nineveh Plains, that's pretty exciting. Uh, And like you said, lots of stories to share. One of the things that I picked up on this trip, second time around, that I thought was pretty cool, and we kind of chatted about it as a team, especially the repeat guys, was we, uh, you know how, like, first date, you're on, everybody's a little kind of stiff and formal, and we met a lot of great people on our Mm -hmm. first trip. But when we went back this time... Everybody kind of relaxed, yeah. and there was a depth of relationship, like what we enjoy here in the hallways. You know, when you come to church, you see people you're good friends with. There's hugs, there's embraces, smiles, laughter. We saw a lot of that. God is knitting our hearts together, church to church, brother to brother, sister to sister, and we're watching them get comfortable with us, and that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Praise the Lord. Jeff, you were part of a team, Tinsley, you were part of a team that went in, and what's a story that you'd like to share, uh, part of the CRY team, sharing the um, story? Yeah, I uh, actually had the privilege of leading the first team in. Um, I, I can tell you that uh, leading a team is, uh, is a lot different. It's, uh, there's a lot more work, um, a lot of effort going into it up front, and uh, I can tell you that uh, you know, God's providing for teams that are going there uh, just tenfold over. You know, Everything we ask for, he provides, and more. Um, uh, it's hard to pick just one story. Um, we, we spent, uh, 10 days, uh, our mission was to, uh, get outside the city, uh, meet refugees, uh, meet the military there and, uh, to help wherever we could. And, uh, on the, uh, second day in, uh, we had, uh, um, <laughs> uh, we had the privilege of going to, uh, Mount Sinjar and, uh, we came prepared to uh, um, give to them, and uh, when we got to the mountain, uh, they gave uh, tenfold back to us. Um, we came with the little bit that we had, and they gave everything they had back to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just happy to do it. They were proud to be able to serve somebody, to have somebody show up. Um, this area is is completely unvisited. Uh, we were one of only a handful of teams that's ever been allowed in there, and uh, so it was it was an honor for us to go there. Uh, but it was it was a, a bigger honor to just meet the people and to pray over them, and to be able to tell them that you know God loves you and God's here for you and uh, He's looking out for you. Um, and that was just kind of the story of our whole trip. Thanks, bro. Jason, you were part of a team that just got back this morning early, and uh, what's something that stuck out for you on this trip? Um, <clears throat> I would ask, think back to the last time you went to small group or the last time you went to a prayer meeting and ask yourself, what did you bring with you to that? We spent uh, a lot of time with a man named Karam, and that was the situation in Mosul. His family went to a a uh, prayer meeting at someone's house, and while we while they were there, the Iraqi military put a a uh, 
quarantine order over the whole city. No one was allowed in the streets. So seven families stayed in this home for five days. And the whole time, they kept getting reports. I mean, they have cell phones and text messaging and, you know, Iraqi CNN. And ISIS was getting closer and closer and closer. And more and more reports were that the Iraqi troops were fleeing. They were dropping what they had and running. And Karam's story really stuck out to me because he's me in Iraq. I mean, we're the same age. Our birthdays are almost on the same day. We have small kids. And he had a decision to make. Do I load my family up and risk being shot by the Iraqi military for being out on the street and flee or continue to wait for ISIS to get closer and closer and closer? There was no time to run back home and grab anything. They had what they took with them to that prayer meeting. And finally made the decision to go. They loaded up, headed for the, uh, headed for the border, and, and made it out of the city. Um, and got reports that ISIS took that neighborhood that they were staying in 10 minutes after they had made the decision to leave. And it really challenged me um, to, uh, to, to look at, you know, how do I value the things that are important to me? How in tune am I with the Spirit? Am I in tune enough that when the Spirit says, now, go, that I say yes and go? Or do I look at the circumstances around me and, and try to figure it out in my own mind? Just incredibly, incredibly impressive uh, demonstrations of faith and courage in the face of just horribly traumatic situation. Tim Resecker, you were part of the you were part of the, the cry team that went. Tim, what's something that struck you? Well, I had um, I guess I was really I felt honored to be able to go. It was a it was a good trip, and um, we had. Um, Spent a lot of time with a with a young man that uh, he had a lot of influence, and uh, he was the one that was instrumental in getting us into the places that we went to, and uh, meeting the people that we got to meet. We met some amazing people, and um, I was sitting down with him at lunch one time, and and he, I could tell he was starting to tear up, and he said, "It really blesses me that you guys came. It, it strengthens our faith." And um, I looked at him and I thought, here I am, I'm coming from America. And he, he's looking at us and we're strengthening his faith. I'm looking at him, he's in the middle of a war zone. He's, he's living it day in and day out. And uh, I looked at him, I said, and I said, that's the family of God, that's working together. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, it was a powerful moment. I'll never forget that conversation with him. Amen. Thanks, Tim. George, hot summer. You were part of the team that uh, we just got back this morning. Um, what's something that stuck out for you, brother? Uh, the, the thing that stuck out to me more than anything, and Jeremiah, that song was perfect. You know, never once did we ever walk alone. You know, the, you've heard the stories of the families that had to leave and the, the knock. You know, nobody ever likes that phone call at 3 in the morning because it's never a good call. And, and these people, it was either join ISIS 
and stay or flee and potentially die. But the Iraqi spirit is alive and well. Um, they're just fighters. They, they had to walk many miles, some of them. Some of them drove. Their cars ran out of gas. Then they walked the rest of the way. We went back later and got their car, and, and it was even dangerous doing that. But the heart of these fathers and these parents, a father of five myself, just to know that here you're, you're leaving everything behind. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But the bottom line is, is that God is with them. There, there's, a, there's a move of God that's going to happen there, and I truly believe what Jim was saying. The, the, the Muslim people that we haven't really talked about very much, many of the Muslim people, they didn't join ISIS. They fled also. So they're questioning anything and everything they believe. And, and, and what Malath, the pastor Malath, and he, he's fearful, he, his words exactly. He said, I have four workers. I only have four workers to reach these people. So we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest that, the, uh, that, that he bring those laborers that would reach. We, we can do so much. We don't speak Arabic. But uh, what brought it to me is that, that there's so many people that need to be yet met, but I know, I know they will be. Amen. Amen. While we were there, praise God, while we were there, um, one of the great opportunities we had, like, we went as ambassadors. Like, I can't tell how many times on our trip we were saying, hey, we're, we're just representing Grace Community Church. We're representing Jesus Christ. We're just an extension of you, an arm of a group of people that love you. And so over and over again, we told them that, hey, we're just one of many that would love to be here. We're one of many who gave, one of many who prayed. And one of the things we had an opportunity to do in these apartment complexes, there are 24 apartment complexes that are already up. Like, people are ready to move into them and, and in them. And we, we, we lived in the apartment. Like, each morning, wake up, it'd be 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock. There'd be someone standing in our front room. Like, they just walk right in. It's like, and they became our brothers and sisters. Kevin set up a, a medical clinic, Kestetter. And one day, they just came in and took care of the needs. One, the last night we were there, heard a knock at the door. A guy had busted his eye and... Kevin's trying to take care of this deep gouge in his eye. But we met with them. We ate with them. They would, we'd come home in the evenings, and the moms and the moms of the moms would bring us cake. And we drank so much Iraqi tea and tur- Turkish coffee that it was coming out the tops of our heads. But they were hospitable. And, and they would see us. We'd be out in the community playing volleyball and kicking soccer, and kids were knocking at the door like, hey, c- can you come out and play? And uh, it was just this, this awesome opportunity. But there's this life. There's this, there's, this, there's this church being planted, like, right in this apartment complex. We had the opportunity as an extension of you. Like, we did. Like, we had an opportunity. There were two families that they were bringing in to this apartment. We got to assemble the furniture, set up the beds, put in the sinks, get it ready for people to come. And then they brought them in. Like, we watched them come in. They're pulling in these vans. Some of them had been in a house of 40-plus people. Many of them had been in, in tents along the way. And so we were there. We were on the fifth floor, fourth floor, third floor, whatever floor. We were looking out. You could see them pull up. And they're sitting in the vans like, there they are. Like, that's the ones that we get to rescue. And they came walking up the steps in this overwhelming, deep joy and satisfaction as a team. We prayed over them. And they gave us the keys to the apartment. So every one of us grabbed all the keys put our hands on it, and turn it open the key, and then we turn and hand it over to them. You should have seen the, the children's faces. They were geekly, like, home. I got a home, but more than a home, they're going to find about a Savior who loves them, and they're going to get the good news of Jesus Christ, and they're going to take it to the nation. We got to walk in, open up two apartments, and have an opening party because you gave. It was one of the highlights of my life. Like, I stood there and said, I can't believe I was standing in Iraq 
handing over the keys to an apartment because there's a group of people called Grace Community Church that loves people 6,500 miles away and is willing to go. Praise God for that. While we were there, we had an opportunity on Sunday night to worship. We had an opportunity on Wednesday night to worship. We were in small groups two nights. We sat with new believers. There are new believers that didn't know Jesus that now know Christ. And on Sunday morning, we were able to worship, and we were able to preach a message. So Pastor Malath and I preached a message together, and the message title was, We Are More Valuable Than. This is the message. You get to hear my version. You get to hear it in Arabic. You get to see two churches colliding together for the kingdom of God. I pray that this blesses your heart. This is what was spoken one week ago on a Sunday morning. My hope is this that it blesses you, that it encourages you. And you say, you know what? This is good. This is really good. Take a look at this message. Uh, Thank you so much for coming and being with us. This is a privilege for us, Pastor Jim and the whole team uh, here. We would like to welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ in your church and the Alliance Church in Irving. We are excited to be here this evening. We love Pastor Malaf and we love you. We have a team of 11 with us tonight. I'd like to introduce our team. This is our team. Would you stay in team? Thank you. I want to tell you a story how we got here tonight. In August of this year, we began to watch the news in America. We saw ISIS Daesh coming and pushing people away. It was all over our news. We kept watching and watching. I was preparing a sermon in my office one day. And we were studying in the book of 1 John. And I read these verses. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Uh, And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and see the brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? As I said in my office, 
the Spirit of God began to compel me, to convict me. It was as if God tapped me on the shoulder. And he said these words to me. How can you, who have so much, not help brothers and sisters on the other side of the world? I began to cry. Because I saw you and wanted to help you. And our church wanted to help you. So I knew we must do something. How can we love God and see the need in our world and not help you? So I walked down my hallways of my church. And I went to my pastors. I said, God wants us to go to Iraq. We didn't know any of you. But God was calling us to go. I walked into Ted's office. And I said to Ted, Ted, we want to put boots on the ground in Iraq. We just can't sit here and do nothing. And so Ted began to make contacts, call. The early news wasn't really good. Because Ted kept saying everyone is leaving the country. But God was calling us to come. And so finally, Ted made a contact. Was someone we never met before. A, a godly woman by the name of Insaf. We met her in Turkey. So in that service, that Sunday, I told and asked our people. Are you willing to go with me? We must do something. We can't sit here any longer. I felt so strongly about it. I told my staff, you have to cut my arms off to keep me from going. And in that service that Sunday, men right here, felt compelled by God. They needed to go too. After the services on my way home in my car, my phone began to beep. One by one, men were saying, 
I need to go too. وأجي المسجات قامت تجيني وحدة تلو تلو الأخرى. ده قالوا أنا ده أشعر إن الله يريني أروح. ده أشعر إن الله يريني أروح. And God assembled the team. والله فعلًا هالشكل بلش يشكل الفريق. We gathered and we prayed together. واجتمعنا مع بعض وصلينا مع بعض. And we asked God, would you protect us? وسألنا الله يا رب هل سوفتحمينا؟ Some of our family and friends said we shouldn't go. وبيقولوا كثير من أهلنا وكثير من أصدقائنا قالوا لنا ما من المفروض إنه أنتوا تروحون للعراق. They were fearful of ISIS too. ولأنه كانوا حقيقة خائفين من داعش. But we knew we must go. ولكن إحنا كنا نعرف إنه ينبغي وكان يجب علينا إنه نذهب. I remember us standing in a field, all of us together, and asking this question. وحقيقة كنت أعرف إنه شقت كان هذا السؤال كان قوي وكان تأثيره وقع عليه قوي لما كنت أسألهم هذا السؤال. I will never forget this question. وأنا أبداً ما راح أنسى هذا السؤال إطلاقاً. We asked each man in that circle this question. وسألت الرجال الذين قالوا إنه أنا راح أروح في تلك الدائرة كم سنة قاعدين؟ Are you willing to die for Christ to do this? قلم هل أنتم فعلاً مستعدين أن تضحون بحياتكم من أجل هذه الرحلة للعراق؟ In every man, just like these men. وكل رجل من هذا الدولات الرجال كان سكين مثل هؤلاء الرجال. Around that circle, each man said, "Amen, amen. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go." كل رجال كان موجود في تلك الدائرة جالس. واحد بواحد والآخر كان يقول آمين أروح آمين أروح آمين أروح. And then our church. والبعدين الكنيسة. Supported. دعمت. Prayed. صلت. Cheered us on. وشجعتنا. Told us to go. ودفعتنا أن نذهب. Go help our brothers and sisters. روح ساعدوا أخوتنا وخواتنا بالعراق. They need our help. محتاجين إلى مساعدتنا. So we flew to Iraq. ولذلك جينا وطرنا للعراق. We've never been here before. And all we knew were the stories coming from our American news, which wasn't good. But we knew we must go and bring the love of Jesus. So we met Pastor Malad. We 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 love Pastor Malak very much. I tell you all that to say this. If God is for us, who could stand against us? If God is for us, who can stand against So we laced up our boots, our shoes. We packed up our bags. We linked arms together. And we flew to Iraq. Because God sent us here. What we weren't prepared for was this. How beautiful you are. كيف إنه أنتم جميل وورا حلو شكلكم ومشهدكم ككنيسة. How much we love you so quickly. وشقد إنه إحنا وقعنا في غرام الكنيسة وفي غرامكم بسرعة. When we walked into this room down up above. ولما حقيقة كان أول ما جوي كنا نمشي فوق كانوا مشوا ودخلوا القاعة فوق. 
Even though we don't speak the same language. Even though I know two words in Arabic. We love you. And we feel connected as brothers and sisters. And while we were here, we wanted to do something to rescue and help the refugees. It broke our hearts to see many of you and your families in tents. We had to do something. So we took back a report to Grace Community Church in Indiana. And we asked them to pray and to give. And they kept giving and giving and giving and giving. And praying and praying and praying. And God gave us a plan. Apartments to rescue and bring dignity and love and care and support back. I'd like to tell you a story tonight about another group of people that might have been fearful to go. And Jesus saw them. And he wanted to speak to their fear. And he told them to never worry. Not an, let anxiety overcome them. These were people that Jesus knew well, that walked with him. That saw his miracles firsthand. That heard all the stories of the Old Testament. Yet they were overcome with fear. And Jesus spoke these words to them. In the midst of their fear, he spoke these words. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said these words. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. من الآية رقم 25 ومن إنجيل متى وصاح السادس لذلك أقول لكم لا تهتموا لحياتكم بما تأكلون وبما تشربون ولا لأجسادكم بما تلبسون أليست الحياة أفضل من الطعام والجسد أفضل من اللباس انظروا إلى طيور السماء إنها لا تزرع ولا تحصد ولا تجمع إلى مخازن وأبوكم السماوي يقوتها ألستم أنتم بالحريق أفضل منها؟ ومن منكم إذا اهتم يقدر أن يزيد على قامته ذراعا واحدا ولماذا تهتمون باللباس تأملوا زنابق الحقل كيف تنمو لا تتعب ولا تغزر ولكن أقول لكم أنه ولا سليمان في كل مجده كان يلبس كواحدة منها فإن كان عشب الحقل الذي يوجد اليوم ويطرح غدا في البنون يلبسه الله هكذا أفليس بالحري جدا يلبسكم أنتم يا قليلي الإيمان فلا تهتموا قائلين ماذا نأكل أو ماذا نشرب أو ماذا نلبس فهذه كلها تطلبها الأمم لأن أباكم السماوي يعلم أنكم تحتاجون إلى هذه إلى هذه كلها. Jesus was telling them do not worry. ويسوع المسيح كان يقلم لا تهتموا. He wanted them to know that they're more valuable than they thought they were. وأن دليل يقلم أنتم الله دليل يوصلنا فكرة أنه أنتم الناس أعلى قيمة مما أنتم تفكرون عن أنفسكم. He wanted to remind them that he loved them very much. ودليل يذكرهم أنه هو الله يحبهم كل جدا جدا جدا. He wanted them to see that they did not have to fret, did not have anxiety or worry. وكان دليلهم أنه فعلا يرون ويشوفون أنهما ما كان من مفروض عليهم أنهما يقلقون ويطلبون ويهتمون. You see when you worry. It's an indicator that you're trusting in the wrong thing. Anytime you hold onto something that's temporary and put your trust in that, it will one day run away. It'll dismiss. It'll it'll fly away. It it will no longer be there. وأنت متمسك به فبس إنه هذا الشيء راح إنه بيبلش عندك الاضطراب والقلق المجريد إذا أنت معتمد على أشياء هي وقتية بذاتها. He wanted them to know what they needed to hold on to the most and that was Jesus. وكان الله يريدهم إنه شنو الشيء اللي ينبغي على الناس أن يمسكوا به هو هذا الشيء اللي الله كان يريد يقوده له. Worry is a control issue. وحقيقة الاهتمام أو أو القلق هو لديه طابعة التحكم أو السيطرة. It's you trying to control your life. إنه أنت تحاول إنه السيطر على حياتك أنت. It's allowing things, possessions that you have to control you. إنه أنت تسمح إنه أشياءك أو ممتلكاتك تسيطر عليك. It's saying these are the things that I place my identity in instead of Jesus. So Jesus says to them, look at the birds of the air. Do you think they worry about getting fed? Do you think they worry about getting fed? 
Do you think they take their wings, put them up to their face, and say, Oh, am I going to be fed today? They never worry. Because God takes care of them. He wants them to know that they are more valuable than the birds of the air. Today our team walked to the Halal Bazaar. And as we were walking there, I, I noticed these birds, pigeons, up on the top of the building. And I wondered this. Are those birds wondering if they're going to get fed? So I looked more closely at the birds. They weren't shaking. They weren't fretting. They did not worry where their food was coming from. You see, somewhere the devil wants us to believe that God can't take care of us. And many of you have had plenty of reason to fear, but do not fear. Be strong, be courageous. He wanted these people to know that he would take care of them. Instead of looking at the clouds, instead of looking at the difficulties, we should look at the sun above the clouds. While you and I sleep, or we try to sleep. <laughs> Our God is fully awake. Wide awake. Bible says he never slumbers nor sleeps. And he is charting out our path, directing our lives while we sleep. So why wouldn't we trust in that guy? Knowing that he takes care of us. Let me tell you how much God precisely cares for you. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 7 it says that even the hairs on our heads are numbered. He keeps track of the hairs on our head. It's for some of us, it's less and some it's more. As, as we walk by the barbershop, the hair cutting place here in, in Erbil. I watched the barbers, they, 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 they swept up the pals of hair. 
And God looked at those pieces of hair. He knew what head they belonged on. He knew how many left that head. He knew the precise exact number of hairs in that power. He loved you very much. The Bible also tells us about our God. In Psalm 56:8, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. So when you cry, when you're fearful, God collects, he, he watches your path. He collects your tears in a bottle. Our God loves us very much. You see, we carry burdens that were never intended to carry. God didn't design our backs to carry our own problems and our own concerns. Our backs aren't strong enough. He said to cast all our worries, all our concerns, take our backpacks of worry and throw it on him. Jesus wanted them to know this. That worry keeps you from enjoying this life that he's created. It keeps you from walking in freedom. It keeps you from walking in his power. And you live far below the redemptive potential that you were created to live when you were. Worry chokes you, strangles you. And causes you to have a miserable, less impactful life for Jesus. And Jesus wanted them to know this. It's impossible to have the joy of the Lord and worry in the same body. Worry is a trust issue between us and God. So when you have problems, when you have concerns, Instead of looking at the problems, instead of looking at the concerns, instead of wondering if ISIS is coming here, just 
Jesus wants us to put him between us and the problem. So when you look, you see Jesus and not the problem. And you hand the problem over to him. You take the backpack off of your back. You throw it on him. And he takes care of your problems, your concerns, your words. And he takes care of you. Two years ago in America, during the summer months, there was a drought that came through our state. Uh, no rain. Our farmers that grow crops were concerned. All of our green grass turned brown. Our crops shriveled up and dried out. The grass was very brittle, very brown, not green. Jesus said that he even takes care of the grass. That the grass doesn't wake up each morning and wonder, am I going to get rain? Not one time that summer did I ever walk in my yard and the grass was talking to me water me, water me, water me not one time why? because the grass didn't work we prayed to our God one Sunday in our church in all of our services we got down on our knees and we prayed and asked the God that can create rain to bring rain to our community and on the middle of that week it rained and it poured it rained and it poured at our church when it began to rain the pastoral staff ran out in the rain dripping wet praising our God instead of us trying to figure it out we put Jesus between us and the problem and he brought lots of rain and the crops began to grow so Jesus says in this passage if I could care for the grass and I can feed the birds and I can take care of the lilies of the field aren't you more valuable than this? will I not clothe you? 
هل انه ما راح يلبسكم Will I not protect you when ISIS comes? Will I let, not let my people on the other side of the world respond to your need? Can I tap on the shoulder of some people at Grace Community Church? And say, go help. Go help people you've never met before. Go to a country that most people say, don't go there. And help out your brothers and sisters. Yes, God is able to take care of our needs. Right now, if Pastor Malab was able to and I was able to, if we could open up the heavenlies, and you could see in the spirit world, there are angels everywhere. They are protecting you, protecting us. Everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, God goes with you. He sends his backup, his reinforcements. He sends his angels to guard your way. In fact, the Bible says he commands his angels. If you could see right now all around us there are angels everywhere watching and protecting you. Be strong. Be courageous. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus wanted his disciples to know this. He wanted them to know to never fear to be strong to be courageous and if need be need be even to death because God is with you. Let me close by saying this. Do you not think you're more valuable than the grass you walk on? Do you not realize that you're more valuable than the pigeons and the birds that fly? Are you not more valuable than the lilies that are beautiful? Jesus said this that your soul is worth all more than all the wealth, more than all the grass, more than all the birds and lilies of our world. 
هما أثناء من كل ممتلكات الأرض من كل الألف من كل الزمالك من كل شيء هما أثناء God has a great plan for your country الله لديه خطة عظيمة لبلدكم and he's going to use you والله راح يستخدمك we will come alongside and bring we will support your pastor we believe with all of our hearts that God is going to revive your country in an incredible way and it's going to begin with each one of you and you might wonder why God allowed ISIS to come. Because it's in the midst of persecution our faith grows. It's when we turn to God. And we lean on him instead of our own strength. And when we do that, we are unstoppable with God. Right now, on the other side of the world, a church called Grace Community Church that will be watching this message next week. They will see you and see Pastor Milan. And they will support you. They will pray with you. They are excited for you. And they love you. We love you very much. We thank God that he allowed us to meet you. You have strengthened our faith. You have made us courageous. Never fear. Never worry. Our God is with us wherever we are. Do you believe that? I'd meant to pray. Father God, I pray for these sweet people. Our brothers and our sisters. We thank you, God, that we get to link arms with them. I pray, God, that you empower them with courage. I pray they do not fear. I pray they do not worry. I pray they realize that they are more valuable than they realize. I pray that out of this group, this church, a great revival comes to this country. I pray that thousands and millions run to Jesus Christ. 
I pray that this group is the sending group that reaches and disciples and leads people to Jesus Christ. I pray you protect them from the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Help them realize they could lose everything physically. They could never lose their courage, never lose their heart, never lose their soul because God, you are with them. I pray they leave this church tonight and know that God is with them wherever they go. They are strong and mighty warriors for God. Thank you, Jesus, for this group. We commit them to you. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Pastor Malaf has a word to you. Uh, we were able to sit with him on many occasions, and he's a great man of God. In fact, he's one of us. <laughs> Um, he would be on my pastoral staff. He would lead you well. He led me well. He strengthened my faith. I learned much from him, spending time with him. I'm grateful that God let me cross paths with him. And so he has a word of thanks to you as we leave today. Listen to our dear brother share his appreciation to you. Grace Community Church, I would like to thank you so much uh, uh, for everything that um, you've offered and you've supported our church here in Erbil, the Alliance Church. And uh, me, Malad, and, uh, and the whole church would like to say really thank you for uh, all the support and uh, the, the, the thing that you've, you've saved of so many people's life here in Erbil. They were like... Uh, in a very desperate situation, and without your help, these people would stay like in that desperate situation. But like now, with these apartments and uh, with these all these units, uh, people are finding you know peace and and refuge and uh, and even the love from the local church. And also, like we would like to thank uh, all the families back in, in in Indiana who sent all these great men uh, to Erbil to be with us and to spend a very good good time. Uh, at the church and even at the apartment, we have had really a great time and a fun time and a very spiritual time. And we visited uh, from unit to unit, from place to place. And we just, we are, we were so happy to tell them that people in America and people from Grace Community Church are in love with you. And they're like really so grateful to help you. And as a local church, also, we did the same thing. And I just, I can't only, like, I just would like to say, uh, thank you so much for trusting us as a local church. Thank you so much for trusting us as the people here in Iraq to help our people and to save them. And uh, I would like you to pray for us that uh, this is going to be uh, a church planting. And this is going to be like kind of like a beginning uh, for something in you, for his kingdom. And uh, we believe God's going to expand that for his own kingdom. And uh, by God's grace, I would like to say, like, really, thank you. Is this amazing or what? Our theme for this year is more than. 
more than. Can you, I mean, can you think of anything that fits the bill as like more than what we could ask or imagine? Like the kinds of things that we've seen and heard today. My goodness, praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Maloth asked us to pray for him and for his church. And so we're going to do that right now. Would you stand up together? And um, I know that he's not standing here on stage right now with us, but I also know that it's really special when we pray to outstretch our arms toward the person that we are praying for. And I know that our prayers will be directed right to him and to his church. So let's just outstretch our arms together. And uh, God, we are just asking you to continue to strengthen uh, Pastor Malath and his family. God, send your protection around them. Give them the stamina to keep up daily with the kingdom work that they're doing. Lord, thousands have run from ISIS right to the doorstep of this church in Erbil, and we are uh, thrilled to be able to resource them, thrilled with the way that they are stewarding these resources God, to bring your kingdom. And so, Father, we just ask that you would continue your work there. God, we thank you for what you're doing. And thank you today for giving us a glimpse of your kingdom that is so much bigger, so much broader. We never would have known about this. Like We never would have had the chance to praise you for this. We never would have seen and understood a little more of your heart for these people and what you can accomplish. But you let us in on this. And we are thankful, God. We're thankful for every chance you give us to be a part of what you're doing. Father, I pray that this will indeed be the beginning of a revival like we've never seen before that uh, doesn't, doesn't just happen in northern Iraq, but it begins in northern Iraq and spreads from there, God, to wherever you would will in Jesus' name. Amen.